The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, welcome to NASCAR America Splash and Go. Steve Latard here along with Burton and Dale Jarrett. Guys, 2020, so many storylines. Uh, such a great job by the industry, NASCAR, of getting the season in. We see a champion crowned at Phoenix and Chase Elliott, a first-time champion. But I'll start with you, Jeff. So many things to discuss and look back on. What's the one thing from 2020 you're going to remember that perhaps stood out to you the most? Uh, well, I mean, that, that first race back, was I thought, was a huge moment for the sport and a huge moment for the country. Uh, you know, it brought some enthusiasm and some excitement. But when I go back to competition, I think about Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin. You know, they, they were the guys – all year long, but they couldn't, they couldn't win the championship. They couldn't do what they needed to do uh, to make it happen. I think Harvick caught a little bit of a bad break there at Texas with the water. Uh, but other than that, I mean, they, they, you know, you expected it to come down to those two. At the end of the day, Harvick wasn't even there in the championship. And Hamlin, you know, early in the race showed some signs of life, but late in the race, just plain and simple, didn't have it. And uh, that, that surprised me. Yeah, there's no doubt that that those two drivers uh, dominated the headlines most of the time. The thing that I'm going to look back on, because you you always have to wonder about a situation whenever NASCAR decided to come back and everything, and who was it going to affect, how many drivers were going to be uh, out because uh, of the virus or, or something like that. The biggest thing to me was coming back with going to these difficult racetracks and not having any practice or any qualifying and drivers adapting to those situations with, with race cars and, and setups and at certain times, different tires than they had run, uh, you know, totally relying upon the fact that, that they use this simulation uh, a lot and they were able to go to the very first race that I thought was going to be just a disaster at Darlington, barreling off down into turn one at Darlington and haven't been in a race car at speed. Uh, in a couple of months, and, and that was just incredible. And now it's become the norm, and we know that's going to be more of it as we go forward. But it's amazing what you can learn when you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, I think really when I look at 2020, you guys bring up great points. I'm going to use the word change because what it has forced the industry to do is try new things that we never would have discussed. DJ, you're talking about no practice and no qualifying. If that was put on the table in a normal year, we would have laughed it off this show. The teams would have laughed it off the table. But in the end, I actually thought it improved the races. I thought it actually improved the demeanor of the teams and the drivers. I think asking them to get away from home less uh, improves their quality of life, which improves racing and takes nothing away from the fans, which is the real goal. We have to continue to deliver great racing. Um, I think for me, this is going to sound crazy, but I just think the drivers are going to want to remember the most in all three series, specifically the Xfinity series. You talked about the big two of Harvick and Hamlin dominating in cup, but Jeff, we lost, you know, three great names out of the Xfinity series. I was concerned what that series may look like. And then once again, why am I surprised? Cindric shows up, Briscoe shows up, Harrison has wins, uh, the veteran all guys in the championship picture. I mean, there were so many great storylines on both Saturday and Sunday uh, so 2020 was the year of change and proved to me that anything 
is possible if we just all want to make it happen. But that was the year we just finished or the season we just finished. Looking ahead, the storylines are abundant from new teams uh, to drivers moving around to a very, very different schedule. So I think we should start with the teams, Jeff. Give me a driver or a team that you're going to have your eye on heading into 21. Well, I said it all year long. I thought Ryan Blaney uh, was the guy. And, and, and he did show up in the playoffs, but too late. You know, every time he looked up, he was sitting there running second, third, fourth. Uh, I just think – I'm not so sure that they – it sounds kind of crazy, but I'm not so sure they didn't have the fastest Penske car. Uh, but they didn't execute. And, and I think, you know, the offseason, I think they'll give them a chance to kind of collect themselves and figure out how to execute. Uh, but I just see that team, and I, like, you know, I kept saying it to you guys, I just thought they were the team that could surprise everybody. Uh, but they've got to learn to close the deal. they got to learn to take a second-place car and get a win with it or an eighth-place car and get an get a eighth with it, not 14th. And, uh, but I just feel like that those guys have a lot of speed, and I, that's the team uh, that I'm going to be watching. Running good's one thing. Winning's another. You guys both know that. I know that. It's uh, hard to improve. Very difficult for that last step. All right, GJ, a car or a team you're looking for next year? Yeah, I, I'm going to look at a team, and, and it's your old team at Hendrick Motorsports, uh, obviously coming off uh, an impressive end of the season uh, with their young drivers uh, losing the seven-time champion Jimmy Johnson uh, and now replacing him with the driver that I'm looking at. I'm certainly looking at, at Ken Chase Elliott, uh, put himself back in the championship fold again, and uh, uh, how many championships is he gonna uh, gonna contend for and ultimately get uh, in his career? And he's got a long career ahead of him. But the driver I'm looking at is Kyle Larson coming back to this sport at Denver Motorsports. I, I think in my mind that's going to be the story. How quickly does he adapt uh, to the surroundings there and, and to everything and being back. Uh, hopefully in front of fans and everything, and how is he received by everyone and, and out there getting his job done. He's he's done a remarkable job of getting himself uh, through the process and the protocol uh, to, to be back and, and a part of the sport, and I'm really anxious to see this. Uh, not that he wasn't in good equipment uh, at Chip Ganassi Racing before, but now he's in the best equipment. Uh, your, your organization that you're going to be a part of just won the championship with a young driver. And this is a young, young lineup that Rick Hendrick is putting out there next year. Yeah, I don't think we should be surprised in a pandemic when everybody else is just kind of shoring up. Hendrick Motorsports found a way to improve. And I say that in the driver lineup, I think Jimmy Johnson is, is the best ever. But arguably, towards the end of his career, it wasn't the Jimmy Johnson of five or ten years ago. He would probably admit the same. Kyle Larson is a great ad. And did they somehow – take this championship onto a marketing campaign that finances all four young drivers into the future, right? There's a lot of positive going there. You mentioned uh, Kyle Larson. I'll mention Chad Knauss moving up in competition, but I have a name we haven't mentioned yet. And I have it circled because I think his talent is unbelievable, but he's been off the radar, no longer off the radar. And that's Christopher Bell. It's one thing to cut your teeth in a team that people don't expect to run up front. Well, all I will tell him is welcome to the frying pan because you are no longer on the counter. You have jumped into the heat of the frying pan. I know it. I lived it. Jeff lived it. DJ lived it. When you work or drive or coochie for a team that expects to win races, then you are expected to win races. I think Christopher Bell can, but will he? Much like Ryan Blaney, I know Bell can have speed and he can be in the mix two or three times, but he, Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing didn't bring him over here to be in the mix two or three times. They're looking for him before. It's hard to believe that here we are saying how young Hendrick Motorsports is and perhaps how old 
where it was flipped just five years ago. So um, positioning by these two owners is going to be interesting. All right, well, that's a lot about the teams, but another big headline that we have to talk about is the schedule. I mean, I can go over it, but it's lengthy, right? We have races moving around. We have dirt at Bristol. We've added a circuit of the Americas. We're going to road America. We have some new road courses. Um, what in 21, when you look at the layout of the schedule, perhaps are you most excited for, or maybe the most nervous for DJ this time, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that I'm most excited for are, uh, these cup cars and drivers going to road America. Uh, it, it's just, uh, one of the most fascinating places I've ever been. Uh, never raced there, but covering races there and watching them, uh, and, and just being in the, the, the town around there. People are so excited about this uh, coming there. And I just look forward to, to seeing the cup drivers handle this. So of course, there's going to be a number of these drivers that race there in an Xfinity race. Uh, so they have a, a know a little bit about what to expect. Uh, but I think it's just going to be an incredibly entertaining race. Uh, there's so many other things about this schedule that, you know, you just look at it and you, I, I personally just shake my head and say, oh my gosh, yeah, they've got six road course races they're going to run. Uh, and, and so uh, I, I think the thing that I'm going to miss about it, though, and, and you know, not to, to put a negative side to this, but I'm going to hate it for the drivers that aren't running the oval uh, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, you know, the Brickyard uh, 400 is always something that I look forward to as a driver. Uh, I cherish those trophies that I have. And even though they're still going to race there on the road course, and that'll be highly entertaining, uh, it's just not the Brickyard 400 that I was accustomed to. So it's going to be fun. But the good thing is it's going to end at Phoenix again. And Phoenix did not disappoint as the championship track uh, in 2020. Yeah, uh, Steve, one thing I want to add, too, on our previous conversation is we don't know what's going to happen over the next three or four weeks, right? So in every offseason, things happen that you didn't expect to happen uh, – it, it always does and who gets positively affected and who gets negatively affected uh, to make their season work next year. It's coming down. I don't know when, where, what, but we all know it's going to happen. There's going to be some surprises. Um, as far as the schedule, you know, there was a time DJ where we kind of thought about Daytona, Talladega road courses as these specialty events. Right. And, and, Maybe I did, you didn't, because you won a lot of the, the, the Daytona Talladega races. But in today's world, there's 10 road courses and restricted plate races. You know, I mean, so you better, you better be good at them. And, the, and where those races are placed in the schedule, I know they pay the point, all points are paid the same throughout the year. I get it. But when you get races in the playoffs and you get cut races and you get things like that and you get a string of road course races, you better be good at it. You yeah. better find a way to step up your road course skills. And I can tell you, I know for a fact, drivers are out actively engaged, trying to find a way to be better at road racing. It is going to be a major part of this schedule. There, there was a time, Steve, where, you know, we cared, but we didn't really care, right? We didn't care the way they're going to have to care today. And, and it's going to change who you consider to be the best drivers in the sport. It just is because it's so many more of them. You can't, and I'm, I'm, you know, Kevin Harvick has got to find a way to run better to roll, right? Like they have not run well to roll. That he, to me, he's a really good road racer. I was a teammate with him, but it hadn't shown up recently. Like, so there's a guy that we think about as a perennial contender, 
a guy that can go win every single week, they're going to have to get better on road courses. He's one example of many. And then there's others, you know, we talked about it during the year, Steve. You know, Austin Cindric, Chase Briscoe, they've both proven that they can run well on road courses. You can't tell me that's not part of why they're getting opportunities heading into the future. It's going to be a huge part of the sport. You better be good at it. Your team better be stepping it up. You, if you're not, you're going to get left behind. You cannot be average at six races a year. You just cannot afford it. No, it's hard to have a pathway to the playoffs giving up, you know, five races in the regular season, five of which in the regular season we're going to see the Roval in the playoffs. So for me, I have three things to touch on. The first is the track and the town. I can't wait to go to that circuit of the Americas. Uh, I think the track is great, but I've never been. And everybody I talk to says, oh, you're going to love Austin. You're going to love Austin. So I'm ready to go ready to go check it out sounds like a great town uh for for some great food and some cold beer and a great race so I, i'm in that sounds like my kind of place i will say on record i'm not a fan of dirt at bristol now i'm gonna be open-minded and i'm gonna tune in and i'm gonna watch and i'm gonna see i love dirt racing my own son dirt races uh but i think dirt cars are designed different they're a lot lighter they depend on different things they depend on the tire a lot more i love that the trucks had their race at eldora i know that went away um, so I'm not ready to hammer the gavel and say it was a, it was unsuccessful. I'm just saying that I am a little bit nervous about it. I may be proven wrong. It might be the most exciting race of the year. Um, but probably the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is to give Phoenix a chance to hold the championship weekend with a full grandstand full of fans. And I say that because there are a few cities in this country that have proven they can hold championship events. Miami was one of them. They've done it for Super Bowls. They did it for NASCAR for many years. Guys, you... We're out there. I saw it myself. Phoenix opened up its arms from the airport to the hotels to the racetrack. Everybody was ready. I, I felt awful for the fans in the Southwest because I know they were ready to come out and cheer them on, but it was a limited capacity. So that's probably the biggest thing is I thought the racing was good. I thought the track was outstanding. What they put together out there and their remodel is great. And I can't wait to see it used by the fans. Full wall-to-wall -wall fans as far as we can see to cheer on a champion. But in the end... So is 2020. Luckily, the season is behind us. Congratulations to NASCAR and everybody who took part to get it to the end. Congratulations to Rick Hendrick, Alan Gustafson, and Chase Elliott on scoring a championship. Couldn't get off a broadcast without congratulating my buddy Alan. I've known him a long time, and he's been deserving of a championship. Thanks for watching Splash and Go. This has been Steve Letarte, Jeff Burton, and Dale Jarrett. Guys, 2020 is in the rearview mirror. Got a few uh, months to recharge, and we're back at Daytona before you know it. Hello and welcome to another edition of In the Wall with me, Parker Kligerman. Once again, betting with our friends from Points Bet Sportsbook. Over nine races in the playoffs, I decided to see how well I could do in terms of betting on some of the offerings from our friends at Points Bet Sportsbook and started with 100 racing beans at Richmond. I was able to pick the winner there, Brad Keselowski, and from there, we went through a series of races where we had some ups and downs and some really close calls culminating with this past weekend at Phoenix where my pick my safety pick was Chase Elliott to win the race my championship pick was Chase Elliott who won the championship and won the race yep Chase Elliott therefore from this past weekend my biggest haul of all nine races I got back 277.75 racing beans pretty awesome now 
you might be wondering, all right, well, how do you do over all nine weeks though? Well, it's not quite as pretty a picture. See, over these nine weeks, I bet 855 racing beans. That included some times where I had to go back to the racing bean bank and take some out because, uh, you know, I was negative or zero. Uh, with those 855, I won, including Phoenix this past weekend, 616 racing beans, which means I was negative 239 racing beans at the end of these nine weeks. Now, I feel like often we were really close. We had drivers that were taking the lead on the final pit stop or were in the top five or finishing second, who were my smart picks often. And that's really the key. Remember, throughout this nine weeks, I always say with NASCAR betting, you want to find the drivers who can put themselves in position to win, who maybe the odds makers don't have their eye on. We did that often this. And yes, we ended up negative, but I feel like just a couple differences there, we find ourselves in serious positive territory. It's been a lot of fun over these nine weeks with our friends from PointsBet Sportsbook. Uh, be sure to let me know what you thought of this in the comments below. I'm sure if you didn't like this, you'll definitely let me know as we always like to see those, but we'll uh, see if we bring this back and looking forward to 2021. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.